This is the Mend It Pass podcast with Chadwick Hayward, episode 14. Road to MendItPass.com, let's get back to bedtime. Hi, Pat Menders. Thanks so much for tuning in to the 14th episode of the Mend It Pass podcast. This week, I'm speaking with Dr. Jamie Delaney, a cardiologist based in Port Charlotte, Florida. Dr. Delaney's practice is differentiated from many cardiologists by her emphasis on plant-based nutrition education. She offers a six-class nutrition program as well as a 30-day intensive program that teaches the importance of diet in disease formation as well as its treatment and, more importantly for her patients, its reversal. This has allowed her to reduce the medications of her patients while at the same time resolving their angina. Jamie also believes that exercise is a vital part of a healthy lifestyle and is herself a marathoner. She has her own podcast, Jamie Delaney, MD, Plant-Based Wellness, and can be found on her website, drdelaney.com. Well, hi, Dr. Delaney. Thank you so much for joining me today. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the show. So my understanding is you got into medicine in part because of your grandparents' medical histories. Do you want to give us a little bit of background about how that kind of started? Yeah. You know, I I come from a family of diabetics. Uh, My my dad and his mother, who I, I spent a lot of time with growing up because my parents worked, she had diabetes, and my mom's mother um, had diabetes and I didn't even know my grandfather because he died of a heart attack at 46. Oh no. Um, but I remember as a kid, you know, going to the emergency room with my mom's mom, you know, either in diabetic pre-stages of coma and then heart failure, you know, and then I wait in the waiting room. And so it was always something, um, that I was around and, you know, maybe didn't understand. And then my other grandmother died of a massive heart attack at 78. So I pretty much, you know, I, I was very interested in trying to, you know, keep that from happening to other people's grandparents, yeah. you know, um, and treating it. But um, how to treat that, you know, has evolved, obviously. Of course, yeah. So that that kind of led you into medical school. Did you know you wanted to be a cardiologist right away? You know, I, I actually always did. Uh, my, my daughter always, uh, you know, kind of gets irritated. I was one of those kids that, you know... Um, any, anybody that went to college in my family were teachers for the most part. Okay. Um, but I always knew I wanted to be a physician and I always liked cardiology. And I, I think that was the reason, you know, when I got into medical school, other things were attractive, but ultimately, you know, I came back to cardiology. Okay. And so you started your practice and you, you basically, you were like a typical cardiologist. You treated problems. You saw it as a progressive illness, uh, managed symptoms, I would assume. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I, I thought I did a great job. I, I started out in academics, um, you know, doing echocardiography and stress testing and, you know, of course, treating people aggressively with medication, statin therapies. I've, I was always aggressive trying to get their cholesterol down. I recommended diet and exercise, but it was uh, you should exercise and, you know, eat in moderation, more of a Mediterranean type thing. So that was, you know, basically the um, the extent of it. And so did you practice what you preached at that time? Oh, yes, yes. Um, you know, I always was very fearful that uh, I knew that if I got overweight, uh, um, you know, my dad's side of the family were um, 
I should say big Irish people. <laughs> and um, so I knew that if I got overweight, I was going to get diabetes. And it was one of the reasons I was always active. I always have liked sports and things, but it's um, one of the reasons why I started running uh, just to uh, stay in shape and, you know, head of the head of the curve with diabetes and, you know, high, high cholesterol as you know, kind of was the aim. Um, and I always thought it was important as a cardiologist to set in a good example. Yeah, I started running marathons and I would frame the T-shirts and the medals and put them in the office hoping to, you know, if if I have time to go and run, then anybody should have time to go and run. And, um, you know, so that was always the, you know, the the thought of the process. But yes, I've always thought that a physician should lead by example. Did you notice um, any of your patients getting that by osmosis? Did more people pick up exercise because of your efforts of like putting your shirts on display and whatnot? No, not at all. No, <laughs> <laughs> no that's too a, much. It, they thought. Yeah, well, yeah, and it, the funny part about it, it was actually, it actually backfired to the point where they would see the medal. The first marathon I ever ran was the Rome Marathon, and it, and the medal was uh, kind of bronze looking. Okay. And so some of my older patients, because I'm in Florida, and a lot of you know cardiac patients are older, and they say, "Well, you know, were you in the Olympics?" And it's like, you know, because they think Rome and Olympics, and it's yeah. like, no. And it's like, well, did you? Um, you know, I ran the marathon. What did you win? You know, there's a medal. No. And it's like, what place did you come in? You know, and it's like, well, I don't know, 12,000, 10,000, you know, who knows? And <laughs> did it work with combating your own family history of diabetes and high blood pressure and that kind of stuff for you personally? Well, um, you know, certainly my weight uh, is under control. But, you know, I, one thing that I quickly learned and, and also passed on to my patients was that, you know, even running you know, 40, 55 miles a week, you know, I could eat through that on a standard American diet, you know, yeah. so I, I didn't lose a tremendous amount of weight training for a marathon. I mean, I, I never let my weight fl fluctuate up. I've always kind of been one of those people that, you know, kind of kept control of portion size or what, you know, what have you. But what I did know, uh, notice was that my cholesterol was actually starting to creep up despite it. So I was starting to go, uh, LDL, which is the bad cholesterol over a hundred despite running oh, wow. and actually put myself on Lipitor and, you know, thought, well, this is, you know, my mother took Lipitor and heart disease runs in the family. So as long as I keep this in check, I'll be okay. Yeah. Um, so I, so I actually took the Lipitor and, um, you know, uh, that's, you know, kind of, I guess it was effective at lowering your blood cholesterol, but it wasn't really treating the, the underlying problem. Exactly. Exactly. And so how long did that go on for before you started to wake up to nutrition had a much bigger impact than previously thought? I stumbled. Uh, there was a girl in the cath lab and she was a vegan, an okay. ethical vegan. And uh, she had talked about the book uh, by uh, uh, Diet for a New America by John Robbins. Okay. And I read that book and that's when it changed for me personally. So that was probably three or four years. Um, eh, maybe not that much, maybe a couple years into me taking statin therapy, you know, but okay. even, even then I changed to being vegan. I, I, I didn't stop the statins. <laughs> no. Well, and you probably shouldn't just, if you change your diet to more, you shouldn't drop all your medications. Like you should consult your doctor and right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, but yeah, I, but I never, you know, I, I changed, 
I guess it, it didn't uh, entirely click as far as reversing the disease uh, so much as that I, you know, I was like, well, these statins are really going to protect me, so I'm going to keep these going for now. Oh, okay. Uh, and that was that was kind of the, you know, my thinking at the time. And, and, you know, I guess I wasn't sure about what results I would ultimately have either, you know. Fair enough. And so was it more of an ethical stance for you at that point? Yeah, I think it was. Um, really, the, the factory farm thing really uh, shocked me. I, I had... I knew nothing of that. And then the health, you know, the health reasons, you know, I think the thing that uh, hit me early on was the cancer risk and the osteoporosis. Um, you know, I knew about protein, uh, high protein and, and worsening kidney function yeah. uh, in people prone to it. So that made sense already. But, you know, I really have to say the heart disease factor probably didn't click in as much. Okay. And was that maybe a, a symptom of you're a cardiologist. If if there was a connection here, you would have already known it. That kind of mindset, or you know, I I don't know. I, I guess you know, I, I was just going to. We're so trained to aggressively treat things medically. Yeah. That I, I guess I just thought things were under control there because I was taking a statin. So you know, that was something I, I probably you know had under control and didn't think about it, you know, that book led to, you know, and I, I had read, and I'm not sure where, when Dean Ornish's book, uh, came into my library, but that was probably the next one and re, you know, reversing heart disease. And, you know, even that didn't click in for myself. And I, and I saw that I, and I recommended that to some of my cardiac patients at that time, but I didn't have much faith that they would actually adopt it. And I even okay. presented it as, you know, uh, this is a great book. And this guy has shown, you know, the ability to reverse heart disease through diet, but it's really radical and it's, and it's, you know, it's really strict and, you know, I'm not sure you can follow it. Yeah. And Esselstyn's diet is really strict. Yes. Uh, yes. I, but I didn't, you know, I had never read his, his, um, information until I was running. I listened to podcast and, I just happened to be listening to a podcast uh, and they were talking about this new documentary Forks Over Knives. And um, so I, you know, I came home immediately and, you know, rented the movie and, you know, and that was really the, the giant light bulb that came on. It's like, okay, this is how I want to practice. And this is how we, this is what my family's going to do. I mean, the whole, you know, it was just, that was the, yeah. the giant awakening. I guess I jumped there from Dean Ornish to Esselstein because I know I know Esselstein has the really strict heart healthy diet. I'm not I'm not actually familiar with the specifics of Ornish's diet. So is that similar? Or? Yeah, it's very similar. Uh, he he's a little bit more liberal, you know, when it comes to nuts. Um, he he's not. Um, in in past books, uh, you know, some of his earlier editions, a little bit of fish here and there was okay. He doesn't really recommend it now. You know, he does a his you know claim is a kind of a more of a three pronged ap- approach, uh, both nutrition uh, and connectiveness and movement. You know, so okay, um, it's it's more of a, a full body approach to the cardiac patient as opposed to, you know, being very specific on nutrition in general. Okay. And so Esselstein got brought into your life through a podcast. And so you watched Forks Over Knives and that was kind of the light switch moment for you and your family. Yes. They were like, you know, we're, we're, we're all going to do this. And the other thing that happened, you know, in the, in the midst of all this, and I, you know, after John Robbins, I had kind of become vegan um, and I'll say vegan waxing and waning a little bit, um, okay. on my own vegan 
you know, uh, around family, trying, you know, kind of a closet vegan a little bit, you know, yeah. I, I declared it, but more flexible. I, yeah. I mean, if, you know, my mother had something and I, you know, my Italian mother, as far as, you know, if you don't, if, you know, even the Irish side of my family, it's, you know, it's all about food. And if you don't eat it, then, you know, what's wrong with it? Why don't you like it? Yeah. <laughs> you know, so, so some of that would, you know, um, uh, you know, I kind of go back and forth and, and sort of slip off the wagon a little bit. But once I, you know, uh, saw forks over knives, it's like, no, no, this is I'm all in and I'm all in strict. And yeah. at the same time, my mom um, was diagnosed with lymphoma. Oh, dear. And my father had Alzheimer's and they were living with me in a grandparent suite. And when my mom, you know, my mom and I actually shared the cooking responsibilities, um, you know, you know, I do so many nights, she do so many nights. But when she got sick, I started doing all the cooking. And when, you know, she was going to start chemotherapy, it's like, okay, we're not going to have any animal products in the house. And I presented it in such a way because I'm not going to take the risk of salmonella, E. coli and contamination of the household with things that could cause you to get sicker. Okay. And I really do believe that if you're going to fight this cancer with the chemotherapy, you need to have the most nutrient dense diet possible Yeah. and the least amount of toxins and the least amount of risk. So, you know, henceforth we're plant-based, this whole household is now plant-based and we actually, I actually declared it then and it has been ever since without falter. Oh, that's awesome. So what was the time frame between becoming a closet vegan, let's call it, and <laughs> uh, and watching Forks Over Knives? Was that a, like years, months? Oh, I, I'd say a couple of years. You okay. know I mean, yeah, it was it was uh, it was at least a couple of years. And so, were you a, like a junk food vegan during that period of time? No, no, I've never been a junk food. I've never been a junk food person at all. Again, okay. you know, it's the I would you know eat the vegetables and. Um, you know, I wasn't much of a fruit eater at that time, but I would just try to stay away from the, the meat. And I, I had no really rhyme or reason of it. I, you know, I didn't have the focus on greens, but I've always been, a, you know, a pretty big salad eater. We've always had a lot of vegetables with the meat, you know, so it wasn't really hard to kind of pick around it. Okay. Um, so I just I guess I wasn't strict. You know, when it came to the biggest thing, my, my biggest uh, downfall at that time was pastries. You know, I was a, I had a, a really bad sweet tooth, you know, growing up. My again, I'll go back to my grandmother, the diabetic, who was, um, you know, fantastic baker. And so there was always pies and cakes around. And I always tease my patients and say, you know, growing up, I never ate fruit that wasn't in a pie. <laughs> And, um, you know, so I had a sweet tooth. I mean, I, I would have, uh, I would have chosen chocolate cake for breakfast over, you know, just about anything. I'm pretty sure at some points I have eaten chocolate cake for breakfast. So. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, the old Ben, the old Bill Cosby, you know, that skit where it has all the good stuff in it. So, you know, I was right on board with that and, you know, and I loved ice cream, you know, so those were the two things that I was always, you know, well, you know, once in a while, this once in a while, that. Yeah. And the pastries, you know, I, I didn't, you know, even though I knew there were eggs or butter in them, you know, I kind of turn a blind eye to that. Yeah. Okay. A until you watch Forks Over Knives. And for, yeah, until then. And it's like, oh, okay, this is, you know, this has got to go. So in, in that interim, did you, did it impact your practice at all? Or it was after the Forks Over Knives experience? Yeah, it was after the, it was after the, the Forks Over Knives experience um, that I actually, when I saw, um, when I heard Dr. Esselstyn talk about his patients that, you know, if you spend time with a patient and you explain to them the science behind plant-based nutrition, that in general, everybody, you know, nobody really wants to be sick. 
And if given the right information and the right support, then people will choose health and they will be willing to choose the way they eat if they know the reason behind it. And you need to take time with the patient. And the way to do that, he felt, was, you know, through his classes that he would have at Cleveland Clinic. Yeah. So immediately I thought, you know, that, that's exactly what I want to do. That's, you know, that's my goal. It didn't happen at first. I started doing it individually in, in the office setting. Okay. And it was um, it was very frustrating <laughs> uh, because I would try to give the whole Forks Over Knives, knives lecture, you know, to every patient I saw every day yeah. and you know I'd be hoarse and frustrated and you know at the end of the day I'd have one person that might have been a little interested yeah um, so you know I, I just felt like uh, I wasn't really getting very far you know so I probably had you know I, I could count them on one hand the people that you know were interested in going plant-based okay so I, I can understand how frustrating that would be like you feel like a broken record over and over all day so h- how did you branch out and increase your effectiveness well, you know, I decided to just pull the trigger and uh, start this class. And then I had been through a little bit of a hiatus in my own practice, or a little bit of a um, change in my own practice. I had been by myself for uh, probably 10 years, um, 12 years. And when my parents got sick, I actually joined a group for a year and a half, which made, you know, decision making part of the group. And I, you know, I thought I just wanted to be an employee, take care of them and practice yeah. medicine and go on. And you know, I found that, that I really wasn't cut out to do that. So I went back to my old office by myself. And when I did that, I decided, okay, so I'm going to have these classes like Dr. Esselstyn. So I, I started advertising with just my patients when I would see them, Hey, I'm going to have this class after work and, um, you can bring your spouse free and we're going to talk about the science behind plant-based nutrition and do menu planning and, and, you know, go on from there. Yeah. And so I started that way, and then I realized I needed to provide some sort of, um, they needed to taste it and see how it was prepared. So I started bringing food in, and then I started cooking in front of them. Okay. And and that's kind of how it's evolved over time. And then we also go shopping. So one, you know, there's six sessions to this course that I designed and the third session, we all meet at the local grocery store and go through like, you know, a Disney World tour, <laughs> um, looking at the produce and talking about vegetables and what you would do with them and reading labels and looking at things you shouldn't buy and things you could buy and things that trip you up. And um, so that's kind of how it's evolved. And so what's the what's your success rate? Like has has the success rate in like convincing patients to, to go to this class changed over time or? Yes, yes. So we started the class. So it's six sessions, and um, we I was doing the classes every other week, um, just kind of kind of fit in my schedule. So it would be six sessions, but over twelve weeks. Okay. And uh, then we would just kind of go into another one. So we would sign, and we'd have about eighteen, nineteen people per class. And then it got to the point where I was filling up. So I was actually doing two classes, like I'd do one, you know, four to five, and then one to 5.30 to 6.30. Okay. And so that way. And then now we've actually evolved to the point where we're doing them every week, and I've moved to a location where I can have more people. So there's about 25 slots available, and we do them every week and then recycle over. So. Yeah, they, you know, people keep signing up, and then if people want to come back for a refresher, then I, you know, I provide them that opportunity. Uh, or if they miss a class, they can come back and make up the class because I, I want it to be successful. The idea is yeah. not to just have a class to make money and teach people plant-based nutrition. The idea is to to be successful, get these people plant-based, and get them off their medications and get them feeling better. 
So what's the success rate with, um, with the patients that do decide to go to these classes? Um, it has evolved. Um, and so, you know, I would say there's probably, uh, maybe 10% that are, maybe I strong armed them into going to the class, you know, <laughs> and, um, they may or may not try some things. They, they usually find it educational, but maybe are overwhelmed. Okay. Um, and it's such a new thing and in introduction so that not much change occurs. There are 10 to 15, 20% of people that are all in, um, that are just, you know, come out the other end, weight loss off medications, just, you know, all pumped up. Yeah. And then there's that variation in the middle. So, you know, and, it, and it's hard to predict, you know, when I, you know, when I, I kind of, and they laugh because I, I tell them when they, you know, we start that, you know, I, I try to kind of size people up to see, you know, who I <laughs> think is going to do really well and who I'm going to have trouble with. And, and I, I even try to do, you know, what I cook. Uh, I, I want to wow them at first, you know, and get them on board as quickly as I can. Yeah. But I'm always fooled about, you know, there'll be people that I don't then think we're going to do very well at all that do fantastic. And there are people that, you know, I really had high hopes for that. I just don't make much of an impact. Okay. So it's, it's really a mixed bag with each, with each session that you put on. Yeah. And, you know, and some things, um, you know, sometimes people come back for a second round and that's when it clicks. Okay. Um, and then, you know, some, and, and the, the thing is, you know, different things click for different people. Um, there was one guy that, um, you know, he, he was doing it and, and, you know, he was really sticking to it and he hated it. Uh, but he was doing it and until we talked about mushroom gravy. And when he found out that he could have like mashed potatoes and mushroom gravy, it was like, you know, he was out of jail. That was it. And yeah. <laughs> and, and so, you know, become like something he liked all of a sudden, you know, because he, if he could have that, then the rest of it was really tolerable. Okay. And, uh, you know, and there was an, another person too, another guy that he came in and he's like, I'm doing it, you know, and my numbers are getting better and I don't like it. And I crave a steak every day but I'm not going to. And it took about a year and, and he turned the corner as well. You know, it's like, Oh, I went and do it, you know? And, and, and it's funny because you know how it is once people, you know, the light clicks on then they start to, you know, tell their friends and, you know, yeah. I can't believe my friends won't, you know, they're, they're all in on trying to get other people on board as well. Yeah. I find that that's a very common theme where people it's a lot of people have a slow transition and it takes time and they, they do that cheating phase and, and kind of you get more involved as time goes on, but then you get the point where you're 100% and then the, you just want to shout it from the mountaintops. Yeah, I agree. So what percentage of your patients now do come to see you? Yeah. The, the people in the class, uh, probably 80% are, are patients of mine and okay. the other 20% come from outside. Okay. And so do you find that there's a greater acceptance with people that are older or younger or um, in any particular like other demographics that impact people's desire to learn more? No, I've had some of my biggest failures with young people and some of my greatest success with people that are in their late 80s. Okay. You know, and it varies, you know, all across the board. Like I said, it is just um, extremely difficult to predict what's going to happen. Okay. So, um, yeah, there's really no brush that you can paint your your ideal uh, candidate for. I, I will say the more support someone has, the better chance they have for success. Okay. Uh, um, if I can get, you know, um, a spouse and, you know, uh, on board, 
uh, or somebody with a friend on board then, uh, or some other family member on board, then there's a lot higher chance as opposed to somebody that's going in alone. Yeah, I, I would understand it would be very difficult to to be that one person in in especially in a household that is not compliant with that lifestyle. It would be very challenging to overcome that. And so, a- after you've watched Forks Over Knives, did you notice uh, improvements in your own performance with running and and those kind of things? Um, yes, recovery, um, re- recovery certainly a lot um, uh, quicker. You know, after a marathon, you know. I, it kind of be, you know, um, sore for over a week and, you know, before, and, you know, I would kind of do the, and of course my running evolved over time too, you know, so I just running longer, but it would, you know, I would kind of be three weeks getting back into it. So I, I'd almost kind of lose all my fitness after a marathon and then, you know, start to rebuild again. Okay. Uh, where now, you know, I take a couple of days off, you know, usually because of travel and I'm kind of right back at it. And I don't see, you know, I mean, very few you know, if, if I have an injury, it's because I've done something s- stupid running, <laughs> not really because of recovery, so to speak. Yeah. You know, so so I certainly feel better then. You know, tendency to get you know infections are are much less. You know, I get occasional sniffles that last a couple of days. You know, rarely, but it's you know nothing that slows me down and keeps me from training or or you know impedes my progress. So I think all that is, you know, is very positive. That, you know, I don't have any persistent joint aches or, you know, anything that, um, you know, people tend to get as they get on into their running career as I am, I guess. Yeah. And, <laughs> and I assume you're off your medications now as well, off your statins. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, I take no medications whatsoever. I don't, you know, I don't ever take an ibuprofen or anything um, if I you know, think that I'm getting a little niggle here or there. Um, I, I like to kind of add turmeric and ginger to a yeah. morning smoothie, yeah. but that's about as far as I, I go. I don't ever take anything for, you know, any kind of muscle discomfort or something. Food, food is medicine now. It's yes, yes. focus on anti-inflammatory foods like yeah. you mentioned ginger and turmeric. So are there any particular patients that you would not necessarily um, advocate for, like major nutrition changes. Like I, I can understand that there's probably some people with congenital heart issues that may not receive the same kind of benefit. Yeah. I mean, I, they, they may not receive the benefit from a cardiac view from their congenital abnormalities, but certainly from an overall health, you know, they still can get lifestyle diseases, yeah. hypertension, high cholesterol and cancer. So you know, I don't see anybody. And I always tell people, it's like, you're never too old to get benefit. And, you know, I always give my mother's example, you know, she's 83 and she's doing Zumba and, um, Oh, that's awesome. Uh, you know, she golfs and she's very, very active. So, um, you know, I, I use her and she actually now has started to come and help me out of my class. We call her, you know, I call her my little Vanna white, you know, cause she, <laughs> you know, helps serve the food and everything. And she's, you know, uh, so and she, and she provides a lot of support for the people too, because they look at her and see if she could do it, then they can do it. Yeah. You know? So what types of foods do you cook for your, your classes? I always, the, we start out with, um, dressings because people panic over what are they going to put on their salads and different things. Uh, so I, I teach them how to make oil-free dressings early on. And I also teach them how to make oil-free hummus, because then they have a snack or something to put on vegetables that's yeah. that's healthy. 
and they have a dressing to put on their salads and uh, you know, that that's also healthy. So that gives them a, you know, okay, I can, I can do this part. And then I, uh, I like, uh, I like the Instapot or the, the electric pressure cooker. And I, I make soup in there because I like to show people that you can come home from work and get a meal on the table for your family and, you know, 30 minutes. So you can make, you know, a, a nice, a big pot of soup and an Instant Pot in 30 minutes. And uh, so we do a potato leek or we'll do a carrot ginger soup or, you know, a variety of different soups. Uh, so they have a soup. Yeah. So keeping it simple, essentially. Yeah, is m- yeah making absolutely. It easy for you people. know, and then, you know, we you will do a, you know, I, I like um, sunflower seed, uh, you know, meatless balls or, a, you know, a tuna fish made with sunflower seeds or a gabonzo bean tuna type of thing. Uh, or the eat, you know, a meatloaf, a lentil loaf type of deal. Yeah. Um, so something that they can, you know, um, eat that's good, share with their friends, and um, you know, it looks pretty. <laughs> it's simple to make. Yeah. So something that they're not necessarily going to have to spend four hours in the kitchen trying to yeah. slave over. Yeah. And I also like to make different salads because when people, you know, um, say salad, you know, like I, I always hear, I eat a lot of salad and it's like, so I, I ask people specifically, well, what's in your salad? And they'll, you know, a lot of times it's lettuce, cucumber and tomato and that's it. Okay. And, uh, you know, so I, I like to make a salad with bok choy, you know, with some fruit uh, or, you know, a kale with some lentils. So, so I, I try to do different kinds of salad, you know, or a Mexican salad or more of a, you know, a, an Asian salad. So, you know, or with cabbages. And so they, so they seek salads that are different with different dressings that taste good, but they're still eating a salad, so to speak. Yeah. Yeah. The, the term salad is such a blanket term where there's so much potential variety there. And most people stick to, um, iceberg lettuce and a couple of other ingredients. <laughs> yeah. And they're so afraid that they're going to starve to death, which, you know, I say, like, you know, cause when sometimes people are all say, well, you know, I, I, we go over what people had to eat, uh, you know, the previous week. And, uh, certainly in my office, I always ask, you know, what did you have for dinner last night? And, you know, a lot of times people are saying, well, they had the salad with lettuce and tomato and, and cucumber and, and it's like, well, I would starve if I just ate what you're telling me, you know, so let me, you know, and then I'll say, well, let me tell you what I had to eat yesterday. And, you know, they're like looking at me like, how did you consume so much? And, and it's like, and so what did, what did you eat yesterday or today? Uh, you want me to, so, um, for, for breakfast, I actually had, uh, teff, which is, a uh, kind of an ancient, uh, Ethiopian grain. It's kind of like uh, cream of wheat, but it's more of a whole grain. It's dark. Okay. And I make that with, uh, with walnuts and dates and raisins and nutmeg and cinnamon. And so I have, I kind of make a, you know, we had extra on Sunday. So, uh, I take a little bit of that and I always add fruit to it. Um, so I had some blueberries on top of that little banana after I run in the morning, I always have, um, a smoothie and it's usually whatever fruit I have and kale and a little flaxseed. So, you know, today we're kind of running a little bit, uh, a little bit slice. So it was basically banana, blueberry and kale with flaxseed, um, a little ginger in there. That's the exact smoothie I had today, actually. <laughs> yeah. And then lunchtime I had actually a leftover Reuben that we had made the other night. So we had tempeh Reubens. Uh, so it was a piece of tempeh with um, um, sauerkraut and beets and tomato. Hmm. And, um, and then I had uh, some a, a Swiss chard salad because Swiss chard is growing in my garden now with some cucumber and pepper. 
And uh, for dinner, uh, my mom actually cooked and she made a dish with potato, onion and peppers kind of uh, baked together. And we had green beans and a uh, uh, lettuce salad with tomatoes and onions and cucumbers and peppers and um, then a broccoli carrot cauliflower medley. Wow, that sounds incredible. Yeah, so I mean, I eat a lot today for, you know, not that big of a person. So yeah, I eat till I'm full. And, um, you know, if I get the nibbles later on in the evening, I, I might have another smoothie or, you know, I like, um, I've, I've got into, I guess they call them acai bowls, uh, where I'll take a piece of fruit, um, my favorite, if you can, if I can find them, dragon fruit, and just put yeah. that in the blender with ice and kind of make a soft serve with it, then put, then chunk up fruit like banana and blackberries and some unsweetened coconut on top of that and eat that. That's like a really great dessert. It's kind of like I'm eating that old ice cream, but not yeah. really. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My, my favorite is, uh, frozen cherries with, uh, just a little bit of like motherless milk, cashew or almond and, and a banana, frozen banana. And it just makes incredible ice cream quotation marks around that yeah yeah and i'm perfectly satisfied and i've and i've come to realize that really it's the cold that you really crave it's not the cream part it's the cold part yeah it's it's an experience to eat it's a treat so what's the i guess what's the biggest eye opener for most people when you take them shopping um, we always find vegetables that people haven't, and, and I'm really surprised every time the vegetables that people don't know the names of or have any idea what to do with. Okay. Um, so that's, that would be the first thing. Um, and so, you know, one of the, uh, students, you know, came back around, it's like, you know, cause I'll, you know, I'm kind of going through it quickly. And, and sometimes you, you know, you kind of assume that people know more than they do yeah and and you know so i start rattling off recipes with whatever and it's like well you, you got to slow down i need the recipe i need the recipe i need the recipe you know <laughs> and so we go on from there but you know and then the other one's looking at you know the ingredients in the back of things how much hidden oil is in processed foods yeah and you know when they realize that you know oh, oh can i have this you know and they'll go into the freezer section and pull something out and it's like well let's look at it and you know i'd rather you not do it but this is an alternative so you know i always try to provide an alternative you know so and if you know that one bean burger you know let's let's you could make it like this you know so you know i want to provide people with a, an alternative to what they would have eaten yeah it's not you're not just telling people you can't have that it's replace it with this well, that's awesome. So you said those classes are six weeks long, mm -hmm. right? And so is it, you said just one day of it is the shopping experience? Yes, I just do shop on the third one. So we do two classes and I start with the science, you know, we th start with endothelial uh, dysfunction and, you know, the arteries and, yeah. you know, each class we direct, you know, we look at cancer markers, we look at diabetes and the mechanisms and then there's the, then there's the cooking part of it. So we have two classes like that, and the third one we go shopping. Okay. And then, you know, the fourth one we kind of recap what what happened shopping, and I usually go over the recipes that I talked about and try to kind of, you know, write some of those important ones down. Yeah. And then the, the last classes, the last uh, couple sessions, I encourage, you know, um, the class to talk about what they've eaten and share their menus uh, with the other classmates so that we can come up with, you know, five or six meals for them, uh, for the next week. And, okay. you know, we talk about, you know, what their challenges were with preparing the meals. Um, the social aspect of things is, is huge. Yeah. Um, how do you get around that? You know, uh, what are the pitfalls? And the, the last class is actually, I call it the final exam. <laughs> um, but it's, it's more of like, you know, how do you go out in the world as a plant-based 
person. You know, how do you deal with holidays? How do you deal with, you know, family get togethers, you know, declaring this is what you're doing, you know? Uh, So I try to prepare people. That is the hardest part is, is trying to fit in a world that is not whole food plant-based. Well, and the biggest, the the biggest surprise that that I've had socially is (laughs) the adult children of my patients not accepting their parents changing their nutrition. Yeah. And that, and it seems wild to me, you know, if you had a parent that wanted to be healthy, you know, why would you not support that? But, yeah. you know, it's, um, people don't want to hear anything bad about their bad habits. Yeah. And I think that's what it is, is that it, that negativity is a reflection on themselves. They see that this is contrary to what they're doing. And therefore, if they're not acting that way, then because their parents are doing it for health reasons, they're not being healthy and they don't want anything to do with that. So they try to reject that new lifestyle as a way of blinding themselves to the fact that they're leading not necessarily healthful lifestyles, which is obviously the case with the standard American diet. So Yeah, I agree. So do you advocate for a spectrum on switching? Like if... Are are you saying you're better off to? Well, obviously you're better off going 100% whole food plant based. But do you do you advocate for like incremental changes for people? Uh, it's tailored to the individual somewhat, okay. um, because there are I, there are people that you know I really have to take along slowly, or they just wouldn't go at all. Yeah. Um, but I really am a true believer in let's just go for it and go for it and declare it. Because I think if you try to be the closet plant-based person, the closet vegan, it just it's just too easy to say, you know, eh, you know, I'll have the whatever. Yeah. Um, and especially, you know, the sicker you are, the more you have to be, um, you know, the, the more benefit you get quicker. Yeah. And certainly if somebody's having angina, then we need to get them, you know, on the right path very quickly. And, and they see the results then. So when their chest pain goes away or their diabetic neuropathy goes away, then they're much more likely to embrace this and say, you know, wow, I feel great as opposed to, you know, I'm not really seeing much, maybe dropped a few pounds here, but this is hard. And, you know, uh, so I I really like to shoot for the moon and then pick up the pieces as we need to. Okay. And so do do you think like in starting the program, do a lot of people on initially and then give up? If, if they're going to give up or uh, do they just not jump in? It varies. It varies. It varies. Yeah. Um, you know, I had my last class, I had this one uh, woman that really was a junk food eater and she ate out most of the time. She had a bunch of buddies that liked to eat out. And the biggest step, like it took two weeks, maybe the third week before she like walked into a vegetable market and looked around and left without buying anything. Okay. And then, you know, then she got a veggie burger and then, you know, by the last class I was so excited because she actually made a meal that was plant-based. Okay. Um, you know, so I mean, that's how slow it went and really, you know, so you know, that, and then, you know, I have people that, you know, try that they're, you know, they're going all in and it's, it's more of a learning curve. Like, Oh, I didn't know that had oil in or, Oh, I didn't know yeah. that. You know I mean? It's just, um, inadvertent it, it, slip ups. Yeah. Yeah. So they just were full or they went out and they couldn't believe it. You know, like, you know, they start to see how they're, you know, being bold, you know? Um, so it, it's a spectrum. 
Okay. And so I guess, is this bad for business? <laughs> yeah, I had a cardiologist ask me that, um, that what if I, what was, what's going to happen if, you know, all the people starting plant-based and we don't have any patients and, uh, now, I, I, I like to say that my success rate is that, that I'm just like knocking them off at 25 at a time, that, you know, <laughs> I'm just curing people. And so, if you know, if there's, you know, 200,000 people in my town and I can, per, you know, 25 a clip, you know, when am I going to have it all fixed? Um, no, I, I think it's a, it's an uphill battle. Yeah. Um, you, you know, um, the, the, the great, the, the best thing that happens to me is when a patient is shopping and somebody overhears them talking about vegetables and ask them or, you know, I, I everybody that gets goes, uh, goes through the class gets a T-shirt and my okay. T-shirt logo says uh, my heart beats on plants and it's got a little EKG line through oh, it and awesome. it has the vegetables. And so people will inquire about that T-shirt and that gets the conversation, that gets a dialogue started with people. Yeah. And, you know, to me, that is the, the greatest thing. And, you know, I'd love to be put out. You know, I, I tell people it's like the, the most fun I have every week is that class. <laughs> and if I could just do that and, you know, I would be so happy and see the success because, I mean, it, you know, you talk about, you know, an ego builder, you know. I can take people off their medicines, you know, yeah. did your doctor do that before? No, you know, so, I mean, it's a great, you know, it's success, you know, call it what you want. I, you know, I don't need to have a near death experience with a patient to be successful. You know yeah. I mean? That's what makes me happy is to, to, you know, to see people doing well. And, um, you know, it's a, there's a lot of people out there that, you know, all you have to do is go, I just was doing a little shopping this evening at, you know, we have a Sam's I know people have Costco. We have a Sam's here in town. And I'm just looking around at, you know, it's all processed foods for the most part there. They have a vegetable section, but it's pretty lonely there. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I look in people's carts all the time and I see it and I, it's all I can do not to go up to them. It's like, you know, this stuff's killing you. <laughs> yeah. I find it very challenging being in line at Costco as well, where it's like, uh, I'll look over to my wife and I'm like, look over there. There's absolutely nothing healthy in that cart or, or, or the opposite. You find someone that where they do have a healthy cart and you can't help but comment on it kind of under your breath, but you don't want to really like, you, you don't want to be that guy that's Stalker going mode. up, right? Stocking <laughs> other customers. And it's like, you know, you probably don't need five dozen eggs from Costco. <laughs> well, the funniest, the funniest thing I did have a patient that, um, somehow, you know, just start talking to a random person and my name came up and they, and they looked in the guy's cart and he's like, you're Dr. Delaney's patient. You can't have this stuff. And <laughs> so, they, so they actually took them back, like through the aisles to put the stuff back on the shelf and to buy alternatives. So I thought that was pretty cute. One time. That is it, awesome. It, ultimately it did not work. It did not, they, they, you know, they, they came to a couple classes, but you know, I'm sure they're, they're back in the wrong aisle at Sam's. But. Oh, that's unfortunate. How long have you been teaching these classes? Um, I think we're on, um, we're well into our second, we're almost at three years. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, the numbers are creeping up there where quite a few people in town would have attended. Yeah. Now I'm actually getting people to come as patients. They, they come because I'm plant-based as okay. opposed to, you know, they come in and I, you know, the shock and all, you know, tell, tell them about the forks over knives thing. So, most 
you know, a lot of patients come because of that they want a doctor that's plant-based or they want to get off their cholesterol medicine and nobody else will support them. Okay. Um, and some people are even coming because of my podcast that, you know, they're someplace in the Florida area and they'll um, come over just to, you know, kind of check in and go through things. Oh, that's awesome because the success rate is obviously higher amongst those individuals. That are yeah, it's them. always a pleasure, you know. I mean, it's always exciting to, you know, preach to the choir. <laughs> so someone who isn't coming to you because they're plant-based, what's a typical patient for what brings them there? Is it, is it a heart event that makes them come in? Yeah, typically, typically they um, have chest pain, heart failure, shortness of breath, swelling of their legs, okay. uncontrolled high blood pressure. So when I see people in, in consult, it's usually because they've kind of failed their primary care visit, so to speak. You know, the primary care is trying to do a few things and they flunked a stress test or their blood pressure still isn't under control. Okay. Yeah. So it's a, you're a specialist secondary recommendation, essentially. Yes. Most of the time it's a referral, um, but people can still choose who they want to come see. Okay. Uh, Most of the time, you know, there are some insurance limitations here even, but then, you know, there are plans that people can just come and see a cardiologist. So you have high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and you're like, I want to see a cardiologist and, and you can just come and see a cardiologist. Okay. So, well, good luck on uh, increasing your your success rate with getting patients over to that uh, nutrition class. It sounds like a lot of fun and a lot is learned there. Yeah, I'm learning too. You know, I mean, I, I'm learning different, you know, it's it's the way I approach things change too. And my ability to, you know, it's a whole new ballgame. Um, um, as a physician, you're an educator from the get-go. Yeah. Um, you know, a little bit of a, you know, you ask questions and, and you, you know, you come up with a plan. But your approach to people, you know, makes all the difference in the world. You know, who do you support? You know, who needs a little bit more tough love? Who needs a little bit more easy there? You know, it's okay. Yeah. Um, so um, it's, it's been a great learning experience for me. I get to know my patients better, you know, and when it's after hours, so to speak, you know, the white coat is off and I share my family experiences. They share their family experiences. So it's a, it's a, you know, it increases the bond, you know, yeah. so that makes it even better as far as a patient physician um, practice. You know, I had a guy, you know, this week that had come in and, and had been, you know, a little bit off the wagon, not horrible, but a little bit off the wagon, more into the junk, vegan junk food and gained some weight. And he actually said, I, I'm, I really felt bad when I left because I, I think I disappointed you. Oh. You know, so and it's like, you know, no, you know, you're human and, you know, we'll get back on the track, you know, but um, so that's that's nice. You know, that's really nice when, you know, you get that bond with somebody that they, you know, they want to, they want to please you as well as, you know, do well for themselves. Yeah. You're really adding value in their lives for sure. So someone, someone is listening and they're, they're considering changing and mending their own path in, in correspondence with the podcast. What advice would you give to someone that's on the fence? You know, one, watch Forks Ever Knives. Um, you know, the new the new movie out, uh, I think Food Choices is pretty good as well. But Forks Ever Knives is just, you know, hands down, I think, a, a life-changing movie for people. Yeah. And then start reading. You know, I like that website. I, I refer people. I have a little script pad in my office that has nutritionfacts.org. Go to that yeah. website, watch some videos. You know, look at some other, listen to some YouTubes by Dr. Greg or Dr. McDougall or Dr. Clapper. Um, you know, listen, you know, hear a variety of different, um, um, you know, YouTube videos, check out different podcasts, you know, listen to my podcast, you know, uh, read all you can and, and make your own decision. Yeah. 
the the more you learn, the easier it is to adopt a, a new lifestyle. Yeah, and get some support. So if you don't have any family support, you know, get the Facebook or the Instagram support. You know, I post yeah. my meals on Instagram. So if people want to see what that see what I eat, I, I try to put, you know, if I can remember, if I just don't dig in at first, you know, if I can remember, <laughs> I take a picture, you know, but. Uh, and I'll link that on the podcast uh, blog page. So good. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. I really appreciate it. It's been great to speak with you today. Oh, it's my pleasure. I I enjoyed it as well. And, you know, good luck to you and your mission. Thank you very much. Take care. Great. Thank you. That's all the time we have for this week. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Mended Pass podcast at www.menditpass.com. If you've enjoyed the show, please share with your friends, family, and the world. See you all next time. Visit Mendicast.com and get back to bed. Now.